Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome back to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm Joe Masato, joined by columnist Barry Trammell. It's been a while, Barry. It's It's been a long time since we've recorded one of these. The Thunder is back in action. I'm lucky enough to be in Salt Lake City, um, having covered the game tonight. A 107-86 jazz win over the Thunder in the season opener. Um, first off, Barry, just... Just how how are you doing, and and what do you think of watching Thunder basketball for the first time in a while? Well, it's similar to what we saw down the stretch of the season, except SGA was out there. Uh, Thunder was not very competitive the last half of the season, um, 2021. Not going to be competitive this season, clearly. But, you know, it was I – uh, I thought the rookies were interesting tonight. And halfway, halfway productive. I thought that was, you know, a silver lining that you know, you're going to have to look for silver linings this year. And I think that's his one. So, um, you know, that's what I that's what I got out of the game. Um, you know, the veterans didn't play very well. SGA missed quite a few shots he should have made. Nobody making a foul shot. Lou Dort did not have a good game. But you know, the uh, I thought the rookies showed some promise and so we'll see what happens uh, game two yeah we'll, we'll start there with the rookies uh jeremiah robinson earl was the most productive from an efficiency standpoint he was four of six from the floor two of three from three both of those threes came in the fourth quarter um and he finished with 10 points two rebounds Josh Giddy in his NBA debut, two of seven from the field, four points, three assists, both of those numbers a little lower than you might expect, but 10 rebounds a little higher than you might expect. And then Trey Mann, he was four of seven with nine points. And um, finally, Viet Krejci, who's in his second season being in Oklahoma City, but he is technically a rookie. He played three minutes, his first action as a member of the Thunder Barry, just just because he's he's the guy everyone's going to watch, uh, what stood out about Josh Giddy? Well, I mean, you'd written about it throughout the exhibition season, but he's a heck of a rebounder, including offensive rebounder. I, f- I forgot how many he got, but he was getting in there and mixing it up really well. Let's see, uh, Josh Giddy had uh, had two offensive rebounds, um, but um, he looks to me like a guy that's you know. Uh, I was going to say he's a little bit out of character for an international player, but the truth is we stereotype the Europeans as not always being as physical as maybe you'd want them to be, but I don't know what you I don't know what the stereotype is for Australians. So yeah, yeah, so so maybe, you know, the you know the the toughest uh, you know most physical guy any of us no, is uh, from New Zealand, so maybe they're all the same. Um, uh, not that I'm not. I was going to say, 
Not that I'm going to say that in front of anybody, so uh, we'll ban this pod from from down under. But uh, I thought he was very, you know, he seemed to handle the physicality a, a bunch. He doesn't look for his shot, which is sort of charming, but, you know, I, I would still wouldn't mind him probably shooting a little bit more. Um, took a couple of deep twos. I'm not crazy about the deep two game, but... Yeah, he looked a little out of rhythm to start, almost like forcing it. Like his first field goal attempt was a pretty long two from the elbow, and it was sort of early in the shot clock. Looked like he was just trying to get something up to get settled in. Um, he did not attempt a three-point shot, which he actually shot the three, tiny sample, but he shot it well in the preseason. Doesn't profile as a great outside shooter or a shooter in general at this point. Now, I think... Um, with his ball handling ability, his creativity, he's going to be able to get to the rim. But overall, he finished two of seven um, for for those four points. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be a thing where you talked about his like pass first nature. That's just what he's going to be. I, we all, I, I don't remember what yours was, Barry, but we all predicted his stat line, and I think I said something like eleven five and six. Um, so he was he was under that tonight. The rebound certainly over. But I think the assists are going to to stand out more um, than anything at this point in his game. Yeah, and um, like like I said, that wasn't on display tonight very much. He didn't have the ball a ton. Nobody in Thunder Garb was making a shot of any kind. You know, you're not going to get any assists when when your teammates can't make a shot. Um, but but overall, I was impressed with him. Um, Twitter is a very unhappy place, but there was a lot of complaints that he was not on the ball enough. Obviously, sharing the court with Shea, that's what I wrote about going into this game. And when Shea's on the floor, Giddy is going to be more off ball. But when Giddy's on the floor without Shea, he's he's probably best with the ball in his hands and just for his development. But oftentimes, it was Teo Maladone who had the ball in his hands. So I think that's just the guard rotation in general is going to be fascinating. Yeah, and here's the deal. Um, as much as they want to learn about the rookies, they also want to learn about the sophomores. Um, Poku and Teo Maladone both are, you know, still unproven. Uh, the verdict's not in at all on them. So they, they, they want to find out what they got in Giddy, but they also want to find out what they got in Maladone. Um, so I can sort of see that. I do think that Maladon has the potential to be a good backup point guard in the NBA, but the problem with Giddy is he's got the potential to be a good point guard, period, in the NBA. So that's sort of one of the things Mark Dagnall's going to have to sort of juggle. Um, but he didn't – there wasn't a ton of playmaking opportunities for Giddy. It, it didn't seem like in this no. game. So he had like a nice pick and roll with uh, Jeremiah yes. Robinson Earl. He had an assist there, and and that looked pretty good. Um, but but more of that, and I think you know he's so used to having the ball in his hands. Like you said, he's a he's a point guard, and but these these two guys, Shea and and Josh Giddy, who are both ball dominant guys, are going to have to to work together to see how it fits. I mean, he's not used to. Um, you know, being off the ball, having to set screens, stuff stuff like that. But if it clicks, I think it's going to make for, um, you know, a fairly good offense down the road. 
Now, j- just talking tonight, I-, I thought the most fascinating thing from a rotation standpoint, and yeah, it's easy to draw conclusions after one game, but the backup guard rotation was a lot different than I thought it would look. First, Trey Mann, um, the Thunder's 18th overall pick in this last draft, he was the first guy off the bench. Tao Maladone played the most of most minutes of any guard off the bench, followed by Mann. And then Ty Jerome was the odd man out. I, I really thought that Jerome would be in the rotation to some extent, um, but I, I double-checked with Mark Dagnalt after the game. Ty Jerome was indeed healthy. Um, he just he just didn't play. Right now, you know, you have Gideon SGA in the starting lineup. You have Maladone and Mann off the bench, and you can't play 15 guys, and uh, Ty Jerome was the odd man out. And Dagnalt referenced that when he said, you know, I think he said seven games the first 11 days of the season. So they're going to do a lot of experimenting. And we saw this some last year. You know, there'd be games, you know, Kenrich Williams had played great three games in a row and then wouldn't play in game four. So that would, to me, that's sort of to be expected because uh, another thing Dagnalt said, which was very interesting, he said, and we got 17 guys on the roster, and the difference between number five and number 17 is not vast. And I think he's probably right about that. So um, I think you, there's not going to be what in, in Thunder history we've sort of come to believe and, and, and understand and know what the Thunder rotations are. That's not going to be the case this year. It's going to be different, maybe not every night, but – you know, from night to night, it's going to vary widely. So um, I wouldn't read too much into, like, Jerome not playing tonight and, you know, whoever else, Muscala, whoever whoever might feel a little bit, a little bit slighted. Yeah, I, I think Jerome's absence was just maybe the most glaring just because of how poorly the Thunder shot. They were 7 of 35 from 3, 20%. Um, they started like two of 22, um, 37% overall from the field. So it was a terrible shooting night from the Thunder. And it started with Shea, who's obviously extremely efficient and just didn't quite have it tonight. But I, I was pretty impressed with the ball movement, especially in the first half, um, you know, playing SGA and Giddy together and then having other uh distributors on the floor even like Kenrich Williams Isaiah Roby all those guys can pass they had a lot of like whip around possessions where the ball would go um basically all across the perimeter and three times it just always seemed to end up in tail Maladone's hands and Maladone missed all three shots he was 0-3 from three Shea was one of seven from three um Baisley was one of seven from three Dort was one of six from three and like the Jazz didn't shoot it great either. I thought both teams missed like a ton of open three pointers. Yeah, it was not it was not a, a real smooth game to watch. I actually found the game a little bit discouraging from just the an aesthetic point of view. I didn't find it real entertaining. And you know, you know me like play style wise just, or what do you just mean? didn't sort of what's the word, sort of uh, despondent wise thinking I was you know I think they had 11 points the first nine minutes and I remember thinking I got 82 more of these to sit through and you know a whole bunch of them going to be from my living room you're going to be at the arena for most of them so 
uh, I'm not trying to say I'm, I'm I'm the one put out here. I'm just saying it was not it was not really exciting. Um, maybe if SGA gets going, if Lou Dort gets going, you know, gets gets a little better. But um, it was just uh, I guess I wasn't prepared. And I remember thinking in the first quarter. I remember thinking I should have been prepared for this. The Thunder's just not going to be very good on offense at all. Um, you know, when we've seen SGA, most of the time he had Al Horford out there with him last year. There's no Al Horford this year. Um, Muscala and SGA worked very well together last year. Muscala's on the roster, but probably isn't going to get a lot of a lot of rub in terms of minutes played. They're going to go with the younger guys. Yeah, as far as having a spacer, I think, you know, as far as creating space for Shea favors is the worst option to, to start, and, and we'll get to him in just a bit. But, like, Roby and Robinson Earl might not shoot great percentages, but, like, both of those guys are more than willing to take threes, and if even if they make them at a halfway decent rate, that's going to pull the defense out a little bit. And for Shea, that's, that's gold because he's, you know, he drives it more than anybody in the NBA. But you're right, if, like, if the paint's getting bogged down and he's having to settle – for like mid-range shots and floaters and um, contested threes, it's going to be hard for him to match uh, that efficiency he showed last year. Yeah, so, um, and, and things will get better. I mean, some guys will start hitting some shots and they'll be more competitive. But don't be so well, sure. I mean, Barry. That, I mean, you know, I mean, Ty <laughs> Jerome's going to play more and. Whoever else, I mean, I don't, I don't. Who, who, any, who would, who, who else? Poku's gonna play more. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I will say this: he hit the rim on both of his misses, so I salute the guy. Uh, yeah, I felt kind of bad for him. The first one hit the rim, then bounced over the backboard and rattled around, and I was like, "Uh oh, here, here, here we go." Yeah, but, but he did okay. I actually thought Poku's defense tonight was pretty good. He got caught out there. On, was it Clarkson or was it Mitchell? I can't remember. He got caught out on the uh, perimeter one time, and and they messed with him some, and he basically sort of turned him back. And I thought, well, that's you know that's not bad defense there by Poku. So I was pretty encouraged by that at least. Um, and you know, we found out last year he's actually you know not not the liability on defense we thought he might be. So. If he could get that offense going, he he might you know be a really a really solid player. Yeah, Barry, do you mind if I uh, share something that other people might not know about you? I do. Maybe well, to, to quote the immortal <laughs> Raider O'Reilly, maybe I don't, and maybe I do. I don't. <laughs> what is? What is? Uh, it, it's it's not uh, embarrassing, but you uh, just as we've talked uh, w- with each other, you've not been the biggest Trey Man believer. No, uh, no, based you on can, yeah, you, the, listen, you're you're in the mountains. Uh, I think it's the Wasatch Mountains right there that you're in. They're snow-capped. Yeah. It's, it's Go beautiful. up to the highest mountain in Utah and yell it from the, and yell it from the mountaintops. I'm not big on Trey Mann. Uh, I, I will admit that. But I will say this. He, he actually didn't look bad on offense tonight. Um, I was fairly impressed with him. So maybe I just caught him on some bad nights earlier. But, yeah, I, I didn't think he was bad at all. I wish he'd scoot back. I don't like... You know, I don't like guys with their foot on the line. That doesn't do much for me. Yeah, I mean, he's 
So Trey Mann's going to be a roller coaster experience because, like, his whole deal is offense, and he's going to be really hot some nights, and he's going to be really cold some nights, like he was in summer league and in the preseason for the most part. But you, you see those flashes of, I mean, everyone talks about how shifty he is, but there was that one um, possession where he was matched up against Joe Ingles, um, and basically he hit like a step back. It was either a long two or a three, and it made me go, okay, like that's that's what Trey Man is like. That's what they saw in him, and that's what he's supposed to be doing out there. But yeah, he's he's not going to look near as refined as the other rookies, Josh Giddy, Robinson Earl, Aaron Wiggins, who wasn't even active tonight. But like he's he, he looks more ready to play maybe than Trey Mann does. But yeah, I mean clearly Mann being the first guy, first guard off the bench, like he's gonna have plenty of leeway to to get up shots. Yeah, and you know what? After watching this team, that might that's probably not a bad thing. He probably needs to to play to get get this offense some life because it's not like they have a ton of of great offensive players out there. So, um, you know, we talked about Ty Jerome a few minutes ago, but maybe Trey Mann's the one that needs to play and try to get that thing going. So, yeah, I'm all uh, listen. I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of Trey Mann yet, but I am a fan of finding out if he can play. So get him out there and let's, let's see what he can do. And you know what? I thought his defense was wasn't any good, but it wasn't like he's sticking out. You know, a, a little bit like he's in body paint or something. I mean, he didn't get he didn't get avalanched by the Jazz. So maybe he can, you know, make some inroads there and become a serviceable defender. How uh, strange do you think people might look at me uh, if I do go up a mountain and just shout about your feelings about Trey Mann? Well, it's it's nighttime. Um, <laughs> so, I don't mean right this no. second. I'm not going, no, I mean, I'm I not going like now. Park City. Go up to Park City's, do it, you know, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You probably get a lot of, a lot of people hear you on that one. Um, let me ask you, St. Joe. This was, you know, uh, first full house. Was this the first full? I mean, you you didn't go to a you didn't go to a full house game at all. Actually, I mean, you didn't go to. I you, didn't, you, I didn't, you didn't travel, travel at all last year, and so we didn't. What was it like? I mean, first game in nineteen months, eighteen months, whatever it was. Yeah, with fans that you've been to. Was that a was that a cool feeling? Was it a was it a, a strange feeling? How how the, how that how'd you react to that? Go going back in time to where we had packed arenas cheering on NBA teams. Yeah, I mean, I, I think cool and also strange. Uh, like describe it now. Was it the preseason games and and those had fans in them, but not near as big of crowd as obviously was was tonight in Utah. Um, but yeah, it's. It, it felt honestly really good to be back. Like I'm super thankful to be back traveling. I think it's um, going to help our coverage. I hope there's some good access that we're going to be able to provide from the road. But just like being in an NBA arena watching a game was was just super fun. Honestly, like there's always a good crowd here um, in Utah. I mean that's it's my first time actually being here. Um, but certainly know the reputation, and it lived up to that. Um, and honestly, 
Barry, the coolest part of the night, and I really underrated this going into the game, was like, you know, mentioned that Derek Favors was making his return trip to Salt Lake City, playing against the the Jazz, whom he played for for 10 seasons. But it was a really big deal. Like, there were Derek Favors jerseys in the stands. He got a video tribute in the first quarter break. Um, he talked about, like, trying not to get emotional. Um, you know, just just for a primary role player, and I know he started a lot of games, but lately being the backup to Rudy Gobert, Favors is really beloved here. And I, I guess I didn't expect the just embrace to be as warm as it was. So, like, I, I know that didn't really answer the crowd question, but, like, just to see that sort of interaction is, is something we've missed. Like, last year with the Thunder, they're playing in an empty arena. There's, there's none of that. So um, to just get get that sort of emotional response was cool. Yeah, and th- that came across on television too. Um, they showed the, the clip of, of favors and <clears throat> when, you're, when you're in a market, even if it's somebody in your own division, which, you know, Thunder sees the jazz all the time. But we didn't really know the relationship between favors and the Utah fans. It's, you know, it's just like, you know what, uh, it's possible that you know people in Salt Lake don't know the affinity Oklahoma City fans had for Stephen Adams. Yeah, you know that kind of thing. Adams probably a little more prominent player, but you know you think, well, Stephen Adams, Nerlens Noel, they both went down the road. Who cares? Well, the Thunder fans cared about one of those guys, and um, or, or Kendrick Perkins is a better example because he was starting center for four years. Adams is starting center for whatever it was, six years. But, you know, if you, you get attached to certain people, and it sounds like the Utah people really took a liking to uh, to Derek Favors. Yeah, Quinn Snyder, uh, I, he was just really opened up pregame about his relationship with um, Favors and said that, you know, his kids ask about Favors and, and his kids and – um, that basically they're just really close friends and it, it goes beyond the court, which I thought was cool. And then asking Mark Dagnalt and the other players about him, like he's already a big hit in the Thunder's locker room. Uh, they really like him. I personally enjoy talking to Derek Favors because he's pretty funny and honest and just uh, just provides great context to things. He, he didn't play well tonight. He was two of nine, four points, did have nine rebounds. Um, his his former teammate Rudy Gobert beat him up pretty bad, but Gobert uh, beat up the Thunder. And what will be a constant theme this year: the Thunder is severely undersized, and if they play a good center like Rudy Gobert, um, they're going to get torn apart. Yeah, and and um, the other thing I like about Favors is he seems to understand. His role, he seems to understand where Oklahoma City is in the in the rebuilding progression, and he. I think maybe it was you that asked him. I couldn't tell who was asking the questions, but somebody asked him about starting tonight, and he said, and he admitted, he said, "Yeah, purse, you know, selfishly, I wanted to start tonight, um, yeah, because it." Well, it, well, that was the coolest thing because. Um, my my big question about the starting lineup: We knew four spots were sh- were were set: Shea, Dort, Baisley, um, and Giddy. Those four had started every preseason game, but they started a different center every night during the preseason. So, um, 
honestly, my first guess was Roby. Um, but then favors made total sense for tonight, and Dignalt admitted it wasn't just like a strategy thing. It was almost like, uh, you know, letting favors be in the starting lineup, giving him that honor for being back in Utah. And, and yeah, I asked him that question after the game, and, and like you said, he said that it did mean a lot to him, which I thought was pretty cool honesty from Dignall and Favors. Yeah, and, and uh, he also seemed to indicate he knew or knows what the score is and that there's going to be games where he doesn't play um, just because the Thunder wants to see more of Robinson Earls or, or Roby or whoever. So uh, he sounds like a guy that's sort of at peace with with where he's at, I'm sure he'd rather have stayed in Utah. Um, you know, play for a contender, play where he's obviously beloved, whatever. But he also knows it's a business, and that's the way it goes. But uh, he, I didn't know much about him. The only thing on a personal level I really knew about him is that my brother rode next, sat next to him on a plane ride home, and from from L.A. to to Oklahoma City, and he said he's very polite and quiet and. What we found out tonight is he's he seems to be the consummate pro and gets it, and is and is sort of the kind of veteran that Sam Presti loves to bring in and can be a mentor to older guys and is not going to sit here and you know cause trouble, which uh, you know can can happen in these situations. So sounds like a sounds like a solid citizen, Derek Favors. Yeah, he he really does. Uh, just to wrap things up, haven't touched too much on the Jazz, but. Um, Gobert mentioned his line, uh, 16 points, 21 rebounds. Donovan Mitchell was fairly quiet. Dort did a pretty good job against him. Uh, Mitchell was 6-17. Bogdanovich had 22. Jordan Clarkson was hot off the bench uh, looking to defend his sixth man of the year title, which I think he's probably the favorite of. Um, I, I don't remember, Barry. Did, where First off, who, do you, who did you predict to win the West in our preseason predictions and if it was or wasn't the Jazz like what what do you think of Utah it happened to be the Salt Lake City Jazz is who I picked <laughs> to win the NBA championship actually I think oh wow I, think, I really undersold yeah, that I think we forget how good they were um last year and when somebody goes out you know would they go out in the second round of the Clippers I think is what happened isn't that right yeah, the the Kawhi-less Clippers. It was really yeah, a, not a good, not a good, pretty look. bad, not a, not out. not a good look. But you know, sort of like Milwaukee had gone out, you know, a couple of years before, earlier than they should have. Um, I think I, I I don't think that casts Utah as a as some sort of stigma or team that can't win. I just think you know it's hard to win. And they got their team back. They got a couple of new pieces. We'll see how it how it develops. But you know, they bring they bring Joe Ingles off the bench, and they bring they bring Jordan Clarkson off the bench, and they got they got a heck of a team. And you know, Mike Conley still can play, and Bogdanovich clearly is a big time player, and uh, Gobert is a, is a difference maker, and Donovan Mitchell is a star. So. I like their team. Yeah, and and a guy we didn't see tonight, Rudy Gay, I thought was a solid yeah. addition. Yeah, is he hurt or what? Why didn't he play tonight? What's that all about? Yeah, he's. I forgot what the injury was, but he was out with an injury. So I like, 
I like what they've done. I like what they're doing. Um, I have no, I mean, I don't have any insight, but I just think uh, I'm not a believer in the Lakers. Uh, I think the Clippers are hurt. Um, I trust the Jazz more than I trust the Nuggets. I just, you know, I'm not a believer. What about the Suns? I thought they caught lightning in a bottle, and people who do that generally don't catch it again. So I I like the Jazz uh, among the among the teams that haven't won. Uh, The wild card is the Warriors because I don't know that anybody knows what they're really going to have with Clay Thompson. So. I just I, I like Quinn Snyder as a coach in Utah. I think they play good defense. I think they play good offense. I just I'm I'm bullish on I'm bullish on the uh, on the Jazz. Yeah, and he he didn't he didn't make a shot tonight, but I know Jared Butler is a guy you liked in the draft as well that they have. Yeah, he looked he didn't look good tonight though. He was he's missing badly. I didn't know what that was all about. Um, I'll, I'll keep an eye. I want to keep an eye on that because I thought that was. I thought that was interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, anything else from the season opener, Barry? Well, no. uh, The Rockets got got their clock cleaned also. So now they play Friday night in Houston. Thunder Rockets, um, both teams massive rebuilding. You would think Houston is going to be better because they have uh, a little bit more young star power. Jalen Green, you know, is considered – he was my pick for Rookie of the Year. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But that's going to be a different kind of game because you're not playing a team that's way better than you. You're not playing a team that could squash you really at any time. Um, so it's going to be an interesting – to me it's going to be a really interesting game for this yeah, early in the there season. there are many – Obviously, there's always surprises, and the Thunder's going to win a, a few games that you don't see coming. But like as far as like winnable games, just looking in advance, this is one of them, and there aren't many on that early season schedule. So um, until then, I would um, ask everyone to check out uh, Barry wrote a great column about the rebuild and staying patient through it. Uh, we had a lot of season preview content. Um, just to tease a story that uh, we'll hopefully have before the Rockets game is I think it's a hot button issue in OKC. Why did the Thunder pass on Alper and Shangoon um, in the draft? Hopefully add some context behind that. But but yeah, it's exciting to be back on the road. Um, can't wait to bring you all stories. And uh, I'll be headed out to Houston tomorrow morning. So thanks as always for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast. And we will be back with you on Friday night to recap Thunder versus Rockets.